Welcome to the Binary Balance Podcast. I'm your host, Leo Sterling, and today we have an exciting topic to dive into. Absolutely, Leo. I'm Emily Wilson, and in our previous episode, we tackled the existential risks of AI, but today we're shifting gears to another fascinating area, gene editing. That's right, Emily. Today we're going to talk about genome editing, CRISPR, GMOs, and the ethical considerations surrounding these technologies. We'll discuss the potential of gene editing to cure diseases, dive into the controversial topic of designer babies, and emphasize the importance of a responsible approach to using these powerful tools. Along the way, we'll also touch on controversies like germline editing, share examples of modified organisms used to solve problems, and remind our listeners that just because something is artificial doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Definitely, Leo. The goal of our podcast is not only to share our knowledge, but also to encourage listeners to explore these topics further and form their own opinions. So without further ado, let's dive into the world of genetic engineering and see what interesting and sometimes humorous stories we can find along the way. Sounds like a plan, Leo. Let's start with the basics, understanding the genome and the role of evolution in shaping life as we know it. To understand gene editing, first, we need to wrap our heads around what a genome is. Picture the genome as a unique cookbook, specific to each organism, containing all the necessary recipes or genetic information to create that organism. That's a great analogy, Leo. And like any fantastic cookbook, the genome contains vital sections such as protein-coding genes, the essential recipes, non-coding genes, functional regions like regulatory sequences, and something known as junk DNA— which might be like that random appendix in the back of cookbooks that not everyone uses. Now, when it comes to making proteins, think of genes as the list of instructions for a particular dish. It begins with the process of transcription, like copying down the recipe, where DNA passes the information to RNA, then on to translation, where our less famous cousin of DNA, messenger RNA, mRNA, serves as a vital kitchen assistant to help gather ingredients and assemble the protein dish. As one of the key principles of molecular biology, this flow of information from DNA to RNA to proteins is often referred to as the central dogma, just like a golden culinary rule. And speaking of cells, envision them as the individual kitchen stations found in a large restaurant, each containing a copy of the genome cookbook. Cells themselves are impressive, with essential components like the cell membrane, nucleus, and cytoplasm that work collectively to make up the substantial count of over 30 trillion cells in the human body. Absolutely mind-boggling, Emily. Now let's explore the primary force that drives changes in these genetic cookbooks. Evolution. Evolution can be thought of as a grand trial-and-error experiment in nature's kitchen, where slow changes in genetic information over time either lead to new, successful creations or not-so-favorable outcomes. That's right, Leo. In the case of evolution, small genetic variations serve as tweaks in the recipes of the genome cookbook. These tweaks could positively impact the organism's ability to survive, reproduce, or adapt better to its environment. Over time, these small-scale differences add up, eventually leading to the wide variety of life forms we see today. Fast-forwarding to modern times, the Human Genome Project allowed us to peek at humanity's whole cookbook by decoding the sequence of the human genome. With today's technology, we can now marvel at the new chapters in this genetic cookbook, including the relatively simple genomes of viruses, as well as the DNA-ridden prokaryotes, 
both of which provide us with fascinating insights into life's rich diversity. Indeed, Leo, these advancements have truly revolutionized the field of genomics. By studying these genetic cookbooks from various organisms, we can gain valuable insights into the workings of life and genetics, bringing us a greater understanding of the world around us and ultimately paving the way to innovations like gene editing. Now that we have a better understanding of genomes and evolution, let's talk about how humans have been tinkering with the slow process of evolution through a practice known as selective breeding. Think of it as human-driven evolution's cousin, where people choose which animals or plants should reproduce together to create offspring with specific traits. Exactly, Leo. Selective breeding has been a part of human history for thousands of years, especially in agriculture. Farmers have long been breeding plants and animals to bring out desirable features like high yield, resilience, and adaptability. For example, let's look at our furry companions, dogs. Oh, I love dogs. Did you know that every dog breed we know today, from the Chihuahua to the Great Dane, can trace their ancestry back to wolves? Absolutely. And it's all due to selective breeding where humans bred dogs with specific desired characteristics over generations. Now we have an incredible variety of dogs, each with unique traits and personalities. And it's not just dogs. The meat on our plates, from chickens to cattle, sheep, and pigs, is also the result of selective breeding. The same goes for many fruits and vegetables we enjoy daily. Ponder over broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage that all hail from the wild mustard plant, thanks to human intervention. Selective breeding in aquaculture is another example. Fish have been bred for improved growth rates, resistance to diseases, age at sexual maturation, and even external attributes such as shell characteristics. Aquatic species show promising improvements as a result of selective breeding compared to their terrestrial counterparts. However, it's essential to keep in mind that selective breeding isn't without its drawbacks. While it has led to incredible advances and variety, there are challenges too. For instance, the drive to breed the best to the best can sometimes result in overemphasis on certain traits, leading to health issues or loss of genetic diversity. Also, every trait requires individual experiments, and controlled mating can be difficult. That's a crucial point to remember, Leo. While selective breeding has indeed shaped the world around us, it's essential to consider the consequences and ethical implications as we continue to mold organisms to our desires and needs. Advancements in gene editing have opened up new possibilities for treating diseases on a whole new level. Rather than using selective breeding, we can directly edit genes to address various medical conditions and possibly cure previously incurable diseases. One extraordinary application of gene editing is in the fight against HIV. A biotech company called Excision Biotherapeutics is using CRISPR gene editing to develop an HIV treatment. The approach targets critical regions in the HIV genome responsible for viral replication, aiming to disrupt the virus's ability to reproduce by deleting chunks of its genetic material. That is groundbreaking. The goal of this clinical trial is to eliminate the need for daily antiretroviral therapy by reducing viral loads to undetectable levels. It involves testing different dosage amounts to determine the most effective option. Another area of medical research where gene editing shows promise is in treating hereditary forms of blindness. Many of these are caused by specific genetic mutations. By using CRISPR technology, scientists can target those mutations and modify the affected genes potentially restoring sight in patients. 
One prominent example is the work being done by Editus Medicine on a CRISPR therapy for Leber congenital amaurosis, the most common cause of inherited childhood blindness. They are specifically targeting the genetic mutation responsible for the disease, aiming to repair the gene and restore the function of the affected light-sensitive cells. Editus Medicine started a groundbreaking Phase 1 clinical trial, which was the first trial to test an in vivo CRISPR treatment. This type of gene editing is performed directly inside the patient's body. The therapy has shown positive safety data in adults, and they've even begun testing it in pediatric patients. These therapeutic approaches highlight the enormous potential of gene editing for medical treatments. As scientists unlock new ways to understand and manipulate genetics, we're opening the door to addressing and potentially curing a wide range of diseases that were once considered untreatable. Absolutely, Leo. But as we progress in this field, it's of utmost importance to consider the ethical implications of gene editing and ensure it's being used responsibly. The potential to save lives and improve the quality of life for millions is exciting and promising, but we must navigate this landscape carefully to guarantee a responsible and ethical application of such technologies. Gene editing tools such as CRISPR are also being explored as potential therapies for other conditions like cystic fibrosis. This genetic disorder causes severe respiratory problems and is notoriously difficult to treat due to the vast number of mutations in the CFTR gene. Researchers in the Netherlands made significant progress on this front in 2020 using base editing to repair CFTR mutations in vitro in the cells of people with cystic fibrosis without causing damage to the rest of their genetic code. Companies like Vertex Pharmaceuticals and CRISPR Therapeutics are actively working on developing CRISPR-based treatments for cystic fibrosis, though they are still in the research phase. Another disease where gene editing is showing great promise is Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, a disorder that causes progressive muscle weakness. This condition results from mutations in the DMD gene, which encodes for a protein necessary for muscle contractions. In a breakthrough study conducted in 2018, a group of U.S. researchers used CRISPR to target 12 strategic mutation hotspots in mice, covering most of the estimated 3,000 different mutations causing the disease. This research led to the creation of Exonix Therapeutics, which was acquired by Vertex Pharmaceuticals for about $1 billion to accelerate drug development for this disorder. More recently, the FDA granted permission for an unprecedented personalized CRISPR-based gene therapy for one patient with a rare mutation in the U.S. It's truly fascinating to see these advancements in personalized medicine. Let's also consider Huntington's disease, a neurodegenerative condition caused by abnormal repetition of a certain DNA sequence within the Huntington gene. Treating Huntington's is quite complex, as damage to the brain from off-target effects of gene editing could be devastating. Researchers are focusing on developing safer CRISPR technology to minimize risks. For example, at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, scientists revealed a CRISPR-slash-Cas9 system featuring a built-in self-destruct button, while others use the Cas9 enzyme paired with a Nicosi enzyme to ensure greater precision in the gene editing process. And more recently, researchers at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign have used CRISPR-slash-Cas13 instead of Cas9 to target and cut mRNA coding for the mutant proteins responsible for Huntington's disease. This method avoids altering the cell's DNA permanently by focusing on transient RNA molecules that degrade after just a few hours. 
This technique silences the mutant genes while minimizing the risk of permanent off-target mutations. Indeed, these examples illustrate the vast potential of gene editing to treat or potentially cure numerous diseases. Of course, continuous research and innovation are needed to ensure these therapies are safe and effective. But the progress thus far is incredibly promising and offers hope to countless patients facing debilitating genetic conditions. As we've seen, gene editing holds great potential for curing diseases. Now let's shift our focus to another aspect of gene editing, designer babies and the possibility of creating superhumans. It's incredible to envision a future where steps could be taken to increase human intelligence, beauty, and physical capabilities. Indeed, Leo. Imagine being able to optimize our brains, giving us access to a wealth of information within seconds, or enabling us to solve complex problems just by thinking about them. Though it sounds like something out of a futuristic movie, this kind of mental enhancement could revolutionize industries and education. Absolutely, Emily. And imagine the possibilities for physical enhancements. We could engineer our bodies to regenerate tissues or rapidly heal injuries, making even the miraculous medical recoveries seen in comic books a potential reality. That would be astonishing, Leo. Speaking of physical abilities, consider the potential of enhancing our strength, agility, and endurance levels. We might be able to push the boundaries of human athleticism, surpassing records and accomplishing feats never before thought possible. Oh, the world of sports would be entirely different. New leagues, new records, and faster, stronger athletes than ever before. But let's not forget the other side of human augmentation, enhancing humans for military purposes. Imagine soldiers with increased physical and mental capabilities, able to strategize and execute operations with unparalleled precision and efficiency. It would certainly be a game-changer for military organizations around the world. However, it's worth noting that these enhancements could also be used to bolster disaster relief and humanitarian efforts, allowing responders to better navigate dangerous situations, provide aid faster, and save more lives in the process. You bring up a great point, Emily. Enhancements like these could benefit various aspects of society. But as we pursue advancements in human capabilities through gene editing, it's essential to consider both the exciting potential outcomes and the potential pitfalls or unintended consequences that may arise. Absolutely, Leo. The future of gene editing technologies, particularly in the context of designer babies and superhumans, is full of potential. And it will be fascinating to see how our understanding and applications evolve in years to come. There's no doubt that the journey ahead is exhilarating, to say the least. Next on our list of topics is germline editing and its impact on future generations. Let's explore what this entails and how it could shape the human race. Now that we've covered the possibilities of gene editing, let's discuss the impact of germline editing on future generations. You see, germline editing is like leaving a permanent mark on humanity's genetic blueprint, making changes that can be passed down to future generations. That's correct, Leo. Germline editing differs from somatic genetic modification, which alters non-reproductive cells and doesn't affect offspring. Germline engineering involves editing an individual's genes in such a way that the changes are inheritable. Though germline engineering for reproduction is considered unethical in many countries, there's an ongoing debate on using germline editing for therapeutic purposes. Unfortunately, attempts at germline editing haven't been very successful so far, often leading to undesirable mutations. 
A striking example of this controversial practice can be found in the He Jiangqi affair in 2018. A Chinese scientist, He Jiangqi, claimed to have created the first genetically edited human babies, editing the genomes of embryos to remove the CCR5 gene in an attempt to provide genetic resistance to HIV. His actions were met with widespread condemnation within the scientific community, as they raised serious ethical and legal concerns. Following his announcement, Hei Zhang Kui was found guilty of unethical conduct, forging documents, and was sentenced to prison and fined. The Hei Jiang Kui affair sparked discussions around the world, leading to further investigations and regulations by the Chinese government and World Health Organization. Scientists and bioethicists argued that He's actions were irresponsible and exposed the twins to potential harm from gene editing. When we consider germline editing, it's crucial to recognize the permanence and far-reaching consequences of modifying the human gene pool. There is no proverbial undo button, and any changes we make will echo through generations to come. Exactly, Leo. That's why ethical considerations play a significant role in the debate surrounding germline editing. We must tread carefully when it comes to shaping the genetic future of our species. As we explore this new frontier, keeping these ethical considerations in mind becomes increasingly essential. Now let's discuss some examples of how gene editing technologies like CRISPR have been used to tackle specific challenges, like combating malaria with genetically modified mosquitoes. As we've seen, gene editing isn't limited only to human applications. We can also benefit from genetically modified organisms to address pressing global issues. One such example is the fight against malaria, a deadly tropical disease transmitted by mosquitoes. Absolutely, Leo. Despite efforts to prevent and treat malaria like mosquito nets, pesticides, and drugs, its impact remains significant, particularly among young children. This is partly because conventional approaches can be limited by factors like resource scarcity and infrastructure challenges. Scientists are exploring new genetic tools to combat malaria, such as gene drives, which use CRISPR technology to alter the genes of malaria-transmitting mosquitoes. A gene drive, when inserted into an organism, ensures the modified genes are inherited by future generations. This can help reduce the prevalence of malaria without relying on toxic substances or human behavioral changes. Mathematical models of meiotic drives show how CRISPR gene drives can be used effectively in fighting malaria. There are two primarily gene drive strategies under consideration. The first strategy aims to suppress mosquito populations, reducing their overall numbers and minimizing the potential transmission of the malaria parasite. The other one seeks to modify the mosquitoes themselves, preventing them from hosting and transmitting the malaria parasite, essentially breaking the parasite's life cycle. Both strategies present promising ways to tackle malaria using gene editing technologies. Although they're in their early stages, these innovations could potentially save millions of lives if proven effective and ethically implemented. The idea of genetically modifying an entire species to save human lives presents a dynamic and significant ethical conversation. But it's undeniable that these technologies could revolutionize how we address some of the world's most pressing problems. Indeed, and that brings us to another breakthrough technology making waves in genetic engineering, CRISPR-Cas9, which has opened up new possibilities for both research and real-world applications. Let's dive deeper into this game-changing innovation. CRISPR-Cas9, I've heard of it, but I have to admit I'm a little lost when it comes to understanding how it all works. Can you give me a rundown, Emily? Of course, Leo. 
CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. It's like a pair of molecular scissors that can be programmed to cut a specific DNA sequence. To think of it simply, imagine your DNA as a book, and CRISPR is an editing tool used to rewrite a sentence. Ah, I see. So it's like having a spell check that can edit the genetic code in organisms, right? Where did this amazing tool come from? Exactly. The origin of CRISPR is fascinating. It was discovered in bacteria as an ancient immune system that defends against viruses. The bacteria recognize and cut the invading viral DNA with a nucleus called CAs, rendering the virus harmless. This system consists of two key parts, the CAs nucleus, which cuts DNA, and a guide RNA or gRNA that directs CAs to its target in the DNA. That's mind-blowing. So we're harnessing bacteria's secret weapon against viruses for our own genetic manipulation? Sounds like a sci-fi movie. How did scientists figure this out? It does sound like science fiction, but it's real. Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier were the pioneers who repurposed the CRISPR-Cas9 bacterial immune system as a gene editing tool. Their 2012 publication in the journal Science turned the world of genetics upside down, and they even won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for their discovery. Wow, a Nobel Prize. So who took this CRISPR thing and started to apply it to different areas? Several researchers expanded upon Doudna and Charpentier's work. Feng Zhang, for example, demonstrated the use of CRISPR in eukaryotic cells, which includes our own human cells, and George Church showed its potential in editing human genomes. The collaboration of various scientists allowed for the exploration of gene editing in countless real-world applications. That's incredible. So if CRISPR can rewrite genetic code, does that mean it's like an all-powerful editing tool for everything from diseases to agriculture? Certainly. CRISPR offers a simpler, cheaper, and more precise way to edit genetic information. It has the potential to revolutionize medicine by curing genetic diseases, enhancing crop modifications for climate resilience, and even opening doors to previously unimaginable innovations. But as with any powerful tool, it's important to use it responsibly, considering its ethical implications along the way. Thanks for the deep dive, Emily. So, with great power comes great responsibility, just like in the world of superheroes. Speaking of which, let's delve into some controversial areas of genetic engineering, like GMOs or genetically modified organisms. I'm sure there's plenty to talk about there, too. All right, Emily, GMOs seem to be quite a hot topic. But I gotta be honest, I'm as confused as a llama in a monsoon trying to wrap my head around all their pros and cons. Let's take it step by step. We talked about the Cavendish banana being in danger, right? Can you elaborate on that? Of course, Leo. The Cavendish banana is like the superhero of the banana world, making up the majority of the global export market. But you know, even superheroes have weaknesses. In this case, a fungus called Tropical Race 4, or TR4, is like the banana's arch nemesis, threatening the future of the famous fruit. A fungus arch nemesis, huh? Quite the dramatic twist. So how does this tie in with GMOs and gene editing? Ah, here's where things get interesting. So you have our superhero banana and its nemesis, TR4. In order to save the banana population, researchers have been working on ways to make the Cavendish resistant to this dastardly fungus. They've been using CRISPR to create bananas infused with genetic armor against TR4, potentially rescuing our beloved fruit from a devastating collapse. A heroic mission indeed. But with every superhero story, there are some dark alleys. 
I hear there's a controversial GMO practice called Terminator Seeds. Can you shed some light on this? Certainly, Leo. Picture this. Instead of producing bountiful harvests to be replanted, farmers find their next crop to be as barren as a desert. Enter the Terminator Seed, the supervillain of the GMO world. These seeds are genetically modified to make the crops they produce sterile, forcing farmers to purchase new seeds each year from biotech companies that hold the key to the seed's fertility. Yikes, talk about a nefarious plot. So how do small farmers fight back against these devious Terminator seeds? In their battle for survival, many farmers in developing countries have turned to organic farming and chemical-free practices, reviving traditional methods of pest control and seed sharing. Resourceful and resilient, they seek to outwit the Terminator seed system, effectively overthrowing the supervillain and embracing self-sufficiency and sustainable agriculture. Well, that's a heroic comeback story for you. Now, Emily, are there any shiny, bright sides to GMOs in agriculture? Have they done any good for our planet or humanity? Absolutely, Leo. Every hero's tale has a silver lining. GMOs and GM crops have contributed significantly to reducing the environmental impact of agriculture. Pesticide use has dropped a whopping 776 million kilograms, and greenhouse gas emissions have decreased. These genetically enhanced crops are able to grow in greater abundance on the same amount of land, contributing to global food security. Wow, it's like the GMO Avengers assembled! Saving the world and feeding humanity one genetically modified morsel at a time. I guess, much like everything in life, there's a fragile balance between the promise and the controversy surrounding GMOs and gene editing in agriculture. That's right, Leo. These powerful tools hold great potential, as long as we approach them with wisdom, responsibility, and a little bit of humor. After all, life's a balancing act, even in the world of genetic engineering. Emily, let's talk about some of the myths surrounding GMOs and genetic engineering. I've heard people say that anything artificial is harmful, but I don't think that's entirely true. You're spot on, Leo. Artificial is quite a vague term, and it doesn't always mean it's bad. Wearing glasses or undergoing cancer treatments are human inventions and could be considered artificial. But we don't consider wearing glasses or treating cancer as undesirable things. Exactly, Leo. In fact, some natural things can be more dangerous than GMOs. For instance, certain plants and mushrooms are highly poisonous but occur naturally. You're right. So how can we use gene editing technology responsibly and ethically to have a positive impact on our world? It's essential to recognize the potential benefits GMOs can bring, like feeding a growing population, reducing the environmental impact of agriculture, and even curing diseases. It is crucial to develop these technologies with proper regulations and guidelines in place to avoid negative consequences. I'm all for it. I think responsible and ethical usage of genetic engineering technology is the way forward. It's an excellent tool for addressing many challenges we face today, as long as we approach it wisely. Definitely, Leo. Through education and open discussions, we can debunk myths and misconceptions together while highlighting the positive aspects of genetic engineering. Oh, I agree, Emily. I'd almost say that the responsible and ethical use of genetic engineering is as natural as, well, nature itself. Couldn't have said it better myself, Leo. It's all about finding that sweet balance between innovation and respecting our planet and its inhabitants. So, Emily, is it true that there's been some exciting progress in the CRISPR world? especially related to dancing cancer cells? I mean, fighting cancer cells. Leo, you're right about the progress. 
Researchers at Pact Pharma and UCLA have indeed made a breakthrough in CRISPR-based cancer treatments. As for dancing cells, I think you might be adding some humor to the mix. Always, Emily. But tell me more about how these treatments work and why they're different from earlier approaches. Certainly, Leo. Unlike previous studies that removed genes from immune system cells to enhance their cancer-fighting capabilities, this study used CRISPR to both remove and add genes to these cells. The goal was to enable them to recognize each patient's specific tumor cells, creating a sort of personalized immune army. So it's like creating an elite fighting squad of T-cells, ready to deliver a knockout punch to cancer, right? That's a colorful way to put it, Leo. Researchers successfully engineered T-cells to recognize proteins commonly found on blood cancer cells, thus developing CAR T-cell therapies for those specific cancers. And what about the tougher opponents, like solid tumors? Are these enhanced T-cells up to the challenge? Great question, Leo. Existing CAR T-cell therapies have had limited success against solid tumors due to the unique nature of each person's cancer. However, the preliminary findings from this Phase 1 study indicate that using CRISPR to improve T-cells' targeting ability is safe and could be effective in combating solid cancers. So what kind of side effects were there? And did these Terminator T-cells live up to their potential? I appreciate your enthusiasm, Leo. Some patients experienced minor side effects. Interestingly, biopsies revealed that up to 20% of immune cells in patients' tumors were the engineered T-cells, indicating they can indeed home in on the cancer, just like your Terminator T-cells. Well, Emily, thanks a bunch for clarifying these cutting-edge advancements in CRISPR-based cancer therapies. It's always a pleasure to learn and laugh with you about the scientific world. It looks like we've covered some incredible progress and fascinating topics in the world of gene editing, Leo. Absolutely, Emily. It's always fascinating to learn about how genetic engineering is providing innovative ways to treat diseases and improve our world. Agreed, Leo. Though these advances come with ethical implications, having open conversations and staying informed helps us strike the right balance between harnessing the power of gene editing and ensuring responsible development. And let's not forget, the more we learn about gene editing, the closer we are to finding innovative ways to benefit humankind. That's right. It's crucial to stay informed about the possibilities, as well as the limitations, of gene editing technology. Before we end, I do have one thing weighing on my mind. Oh, what's that, Leo? Just thinking about these engineered T-cells going after cancers. Can you believe some of them have a dress code? It's so strict that sequins are off the table. Oh, Leo, you never cease to amaze me with your clever jokes. On that note, thank you for joining us, everyone, in this fantastic exploration of gene editing. It's been a blast, Emily. Goodbye, everyone, and take care. We'll catch you next time on the Binary Balance Podcast. Goodbye.